Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I have a super fun episode for you today. I think uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. I get to sit down again with the one and only Dr. Sarah Boston. If you do not know Dr. Boston, she is a veterinary surgical oncologist. She uh, is an ACVS board certified small animal surgeon. She is also an ACVS founding fellow of both surgical oncology and oral and maxillofacial surgery. Uh, she has a book that's for the general uh, public. It is, a, it is a funny book about thyroid cancer. Uh, and it is a memoir. It is about her battle with thyroid cancer. It's called Lucky Dog. I don't recommend a lot of like vet books to people who aren't vets, but I recommend this one. I really enjoyed this book. Uh, if you want something that is really awesome, uh, pick up Dr. Boston's book called Lucky Dog. She uh, is one of the founders of the Cage Liner, the satirical online website. Now she runs that uh, by herself. And uh, she is also uh, going to be starting in the fall as a full-time student in comedy writing and performance while working part-time as a veterinary surgical oncologist. She has a lot of things going on. Uh, she is amazing. She is hilarious. Uh, we talked today about some of the things that we're seeing in vet medicine that are frustrating or good or just head-scratching. And we kind of uh, rolled around our thoughts as well. And ultimately, we have to ask the question, are we bad people for thinking this? Um, it's up to you to decide. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. See what you think. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Sarah Boston. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh man, I always enjoy our time. We were just laughing. Um, I said, "Do you want to know what I want to talk about on this, or do you want to go in blind?" And, and I said, I, "I, I, I have some thoughts, and I need you to tell me if I'm a bad person or if this is okay." And you said, "I have thoughts, and I need that feedback as well." So, welcome to the first episode of "Am I a Bad Person" with Dr. Andy and Dr. Sarah. <laughs> And uh, we're going to talk about some things that are going on in vet medicine and just ask, am I a bad person for feeling this way? I think this should be the first of, you know, a whole new podcast. <laughs> See, how people are like, how many bad thoughts do these guys have? Like, a lot. <laughs> like, I've had more thoughts, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had more thoughts. We need to discuss. Chapter 12. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it on the oh. least safe place in the world, the internet. Too. Yeah, exactly. It was just let everyone into the, the internet. People are really understanding. And, it's a good, um, it's good. Yeah, it's a very caring environment. I it's find. a wholesome environment. <laughs> oh, people try God. to understand right. each other on the internet. I think. Yeah, they always assume the best. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, so, so I want to talk to you because this is in line with some things that you and I have talked about in the past, and so I, I kind of feel like this is a continuation. I want to pick back up some more previous conversations about this stuff. And I just sort of, I think I'm looking for some validation of the scenery here. And I kind of want to see what your thoughts are, but like I was looking around on social media and stuff a couple of days ago and I saw some of my friends posting these Facebook posts that are like, please to pet owners for understanding and patience. And they're like, please be patient with us and please be kind because we are struggling and we are abandoning our families uh, to serve your family. 
and, and things like that. And I a hundred percent get the sentiment of it. You know what I mean? But in another way, I'm like, is this what we want to, is this what we want to do? You know, is, or is this how we want to present ourselves? And then I have other friends and they have these like Facebook frames that say, uh, that say, check on your vet people. Uh, across the Facebook frame. And then they've got like on one side, they have a vet caduceus. And on the other side, they have this really sad looking woman and a dog that looks very concerned, like next to her. And again, like, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to mock this because these are, these are my, these are my friends. These are people I care about. And I look at this and I'm like, wow, is this, this where we are, you know, as a, as a group and so I'm kind of looking at that and I've got it in my head. And at the same time, I'm, there's these conversations that are going on and I'm sort of kind of tangentially involved in. And um, the emergency clinics and the general practitioners are fighting with each other in a lot of places. And the idea is a lot of the emergency clinics have staffing shortages or the, and they can't get enough people and they're saying things like, don't send us your overflow anymore. Or they're saying things like, we're going to close on Tuesday nights every week because we can't staff it and we're going to lose people if we don't give them a break. And the GPs are going, that's not, that's not okay. You're abandoning us. And there's this sort of this bad blood going back and forth. And so I'm looking at these things and I, I, I feel like we desperately as a profession, we need some hardcore boundaries. I, I'm like professional distance is, is the thing in my mind where I'm like, I'm, I can't just internalize this. I just need to be like, this is my job. I'm going to put it over here and I'm going to go home. And like, that's what I'm going to need to do to, to, you know, to be okay and to, and to keep going and to enjoy what I do. And I feel like that's kind of, um, sacrilege to be like, nope, I have this, I have this boundary. I have this line. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to clock out and I'm going to go home and that's just, I'm just not going to to be able to carry this anxiety around with me. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I'm just curious, does any of that resonate with you? Have you heard anything like that or felt anything like that? Yeah. And then I guess I come in with the specialist piece. So if here's what I think is going on. There's a lot going on in that, Andy. I don't even know. Yeah, what that, yeah, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot, a lot to unpack, but okay. So there's too many dogs. <laughs> there's too few staff, which there's a few reasons for that too, right? Like it's just, there's a lot of factors there. Everyone yeah. got a puppy. But then we were having staffing issues before the pandemic. And okay, I'm going to go on six tangents. One, I'm sick of hearing people talk about how they can't get staff and they don't pay them enough. It's like, I'm not an economist, Andy, but I think there's this thing called supply and demand. And if we paid our technicians and our staff more and maybe made sure they got breaks and, you know, some good benefits and stuff and they we could let them go home when they're supposed to go home maybe we keep our staff so that's just a that's just a little suggestion <laughs> i think we can do it you know i think we can do it and yeah. it, and it, maybe we maybe i don't know like when when these big corporations are buying these practices for millions of dollars i'm sorry but you can't tell me you can't pay the ta the staff more like i just no so okay so that's one I think okay. we need we need to help train our staff better and we need to pay them more. I don't think that's going to solve all the problems, but I think it will solve some of the problem. And then yeah, like the Facebook stuff's concerning because I think it's just it's just kind of taking a temperature on where we're at yeah. as a profession. And I think you know the one thing that does happen in my world 
my brother, you know, he has a philosophy PhD and oh, I bet that's insufferable. He, he's kind of like what you would think about it. But so like, he's very into logic. So like, if there's too much of this stuff on Facebook about vets and the crisis, like he'll call me every day, little check in. <laughs> yeah, every day. Like, like he checks you on okay? you, rejects in like, no, I can't believe. No, he's checking on me. That's because awesome. he's heard that vets are killing themselves. And he just wants to just so this is how like someone with a PhD in philosophy thinks it's just like, I got to call my sister every day. Yeah. Like I'm four, I'm 48 years old. He calls me every day, you know, <laughs> there'll be spurts of this. So, which is very nice. And, and you should check in on your loved ones. My brother you just takes it, takes it far. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if Facebook is always the best form, but that's kind of how people communicate. I don't need to tell yeah. you that. Um, but I do, well, I guess the other side of that, as far as like, I guess my question to general practitioners is like, if you can't manage your caseload, cause it's crazy. Is there any, and maybe you can answer this. Like, is anyone saying I'm not going to take new patients right now because I can't, because I, I, because the one thing I'm seeing that I find actually just really disappointing is people not being there to euthanize old dogs in their practices. And I just think really, you don't have time. Like, I, I don't know, in my world, people are being told like, you can't have a euthanasia appointment for three or four weeks. And I just think we can't like that disappoints yeah, me. I, I think we've got to be able to make time for that client that's been with you for 12 years. Like, and they're yeah. coming to me and I, I've met them once and I'm like, no, that's not okay. So like somehow, like, I don't know if we've got to like put a limit on how many patients you have in a practice. I don't know if someone has to always be the one to have spots in their schedule because there's always something every day. There's always something. So are, are, are vets not scheduling for these unexpected, urgent things, these ear infections that are waiting three weeks, these lamenesses that are waiting three weeks, these dogs that are showing up and emerge, and then they're waiting six to eight hours. And then yeah. it doesn't stop there because then the next thing is this stuff is, is like, bleh, specialist, bleh, take it. So we're all doing it to each other. Yeah, I think we're all doing to it. Let, right. me, let me try. Let me try to tie all this together because I, I think there's a there's a there's something to the you know the wages to retain staff and things like that. Um, and you're right about um, about people putting off important appointments and things. So here's my here's my theory. Here's my proposal on on professional distance. Right, professional distance is looking at this whole situation sort of pragmatically and saying uh, we supply and demand. We need to keep our staff. You know what I mean? We we need to retain them. Uh, we don't want them to quit and go work at the bank or uh, you know a yoga studio or wherever else they might go. And so we we need to retain them. And it sucks to have to raise prices on pet owners. And again, I think that a lot of times we come to this from a good place, right? Like we, I think it's almost like over over empathy. It's like ah, oh, but the pet owners, and we've got to balance this, and we do have to balance it. But I, I think that I'm at a place where I'm like, guys, it is time to prioritize the staff over the pet owners and say, we've got to take care preferentially of our people first so that we can take care of the pets. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of us, that means we've got to pay our staff more. And the other thing is the vets aren't, you know, the owners, they're not hiding money away. It's not like you guys, I'm, I'm on my yacht. Uh, if you need me, uh, go back to your poverty wages. Um, you know, like it's, it's. I just, I think that they're genuinely trying to do good. I think it's time to bite the bullet and say, I'm sorry. Uh, we need to increase what we pay our people and that's got to come from pet owners. And so it sucks, but I do think the price of medicine has got to go up. I think we, I think the vets have been like holding the line at, 
at the expense of, of the staff in some ways. And I, I like, so for me, and that's why I said, am I a bad person to say it sucks to raise prices on pet owners? It's time to, it's, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's gotta happen. I think it's gotta happen. And I think we have to continue in that vein of prioritizing our staff and being like, we're not taking new clients and we're not taking clients after five 30. Like, you know, like this is whatever your end day protocol is. You say, this is the thing. I, I feel like the idea of we're book solid or we're at capacity. It like, it doesn't matter. Like, like that's not a phrase that means anything. And I'm like, that should mean a lot. Um, I was, um, I was in a clinic a couple of days ago and uh, someone from grooming comes up and says, Hey, we've got this dog. The owner just brought it in for grooming and said, I think she has an ear infection. Can you get one of the doctors to look at her? And I'm like three cases deep, you know, and so are the other doctors. And the person is like, yeah, she wants to know if you could just come out, come out and have a look. And I'm like, no, I cannot come out and have a look, you know, and it's like, and she's like, what should I tell her? And I was like, well, you can tell her that she can make an appointment for tomorrow if we have any, or she can wait until we get an available doctor. Um, it, it may be 60, 90 minutes um, to, to be ready for that. And, but go and give it back to her and say, well, this is what it is. And, and again, like, I feel like a jerk when I think that or say that. But another way, I'm like, I don't have a magic wand to make this happen right now. Like, it's just I'm doing my best. And my team is doing their best and piling on top of them and making sort of false promises. It just that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think I don't think you're a bad person. I mean, I think that's totally reasonable to say that to someone that they came to the groomer. And as long as you can get, <laughs> but I think you've, you've got to be able to get them in within a day or two, right? Like you can't leave yeah, a dog I, yeah. with a painful ear infection. And I don't like, that's where I'm. So yeah, like we need those boundaries to say like, this is a reasonable option. But I think where I'm concerned is sometimes there's no reasonable option. Like, I don't think it's reasonable to tell someone to sit in their car in a parking lot for eight hours right. with a dog with a urgent medical condition. You know, they don't get to go in unless they're actually actively dying. I don't think that's reasonable. I don't know how yeah. we're just like, well, we're just busy. So just deal with it. So like, we've got to figure this out. And that might be telemedicine. I think I think our GPs like somehow... I don't know. I know it's a crisis, so it's not like I'm going to solve it. But like, do we need to stop taking new patients if you can't if you can't get someone in for three or four weeks? You're probably at capacity. Yeah. And then people say, well, that. what's going to happen to those other dogs? But again, not an economist, but supply and demand. Hopefully, someone's going to open another clinic or something. You know, someone's going to start opening urgent care clinics. Like, I don't know. I think that's a good idea. Right. No. Just some urge a little little urgent care for those cases that don't need to like that aren't they don't need a true big referral center ER their vet can't get them in like you know we, this is what happens in human medicine like maybe we need to start looking at other models and and yeah. I I worry a bit our profession is so like well we don't do telemedicine like no one wants to do it I'm like you know what would have been a good time to start doing telemedicine everyone <laughs> during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a great time to dip your toe in that pool, but it's not too late. And I'm, you know, I think there's a lot of things that could be triaged that way or, you know, just to help people. So I, you know, obviously we're in crisis and and I do think a lot of people are just like, I can't deal with this, but I think we do need some thought leaders to sort of try to work through some of these problems. How do we, we've got too many cases. We have too few doctors. We have too few technicians. We have too few staff. So like, how do we get through these bottlenecks and help people? Cause I mean, that's my worry. I like, I, I worry that we're so into like 
so like the, I think the boundaries are good and I'm a huge boundary person, but like, then do we get so into like, uh, wellness, like I have my work-life balance, so I'm not going to help anyone. And then you lose your heart. And I think that's what I'm worried yeah. about. Like, I feel like it's almost swung a bit too much that everyone's just like, I'm too stressed out. And I'm like, I, you know, and I, I guess I'm seeing the other side of it with these cancer patients. So that's, that's my practice is, is surgical oncology. And those, those people need their vets to be available, you know, and they, cause, cause what happens is I get a referral form that says cancer, literally, <laughs> I'm not joking. Cancer. I wish I was joking. And then I get like 45 pages of a dog's medical record emailed to me. And I am like, so you're too busy to write me a nice, like succinct letter, but I'm not too busy to read like this dog's entire life story. And if I miss something, like what if I miss that they don't tolerate Medicam or, you know, like, yeah. so I, we got to work together a little bit. Cause like, that is like where I feel like I need to say a boundary of like, I'm not booking this appointment unless you write me a little summary yeah <laughs> because we can't just keep dumping on each other it's not you know that's i guess that's my boundary am i a bad person I, Andy? no no i don't i think <laughs> i think so so here's the analogy for uh for i think where we are with gps and er vets and gps and specialists uh i really feel like this is a relationship that's under external strain you know so like you have a married couple and then like they're on vacation and it's going badly you know, it's, and, and and so what do they do? They fight with each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> they go someplace yeah. they're really excited about and it's closed for the time that they're in the country for remodeling. And so they fight with each other. And it's like, I can't fight with the French government. So I'm going to fight with you. And and I, I feel like there is definitely some of that. And it's almost kind of that um when 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 my when either of my kids get uh, feel dumped on. They immediately turn and try to crap on their sibling. You know, like, yeah, just, we it's are like, definitely I can't doing control that. what's coming down from above. So I'm going to dump on the person that I kind of have some, some, some control over, or at least, and, and, and kind of on equal footing with. And, and I, I feel like that we're kind of dumping on each other in the profession right now. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. And so, okay, I'm going to go on another tangent. So, so this has been happening to me a lot and in, in my own practice. And I find a lot of the clients, they're not prepared. Like, like these vets, they want these animals out of their practice and to no longer be their problem. They're like, you have cancer, you off you go. So they, so then I do a consult with them over telemedicine and they have no idea what things cost. Like they have no clue. And I can just see, I, I do it on video so I can see on their faces. They're not coming in. They're not coming. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, then I switch into a whole palliative mode, which like, I don't mind, but it's, it's not really my wheelhouse. and then their vets won't prescribe them pain medication. They won't euthanize them. They won't. And so they just keep, oh. they keep calling the nice cancer lady. And it's just, it's, I find it a little heartbreaking actually. And so, so then I was like, well, I think I'm going to start doing televet, like vet to vet telemedicine. I was like, this is my new idea. This has just been the last week. Yeah. So, so my new, my new plan was to try to like help educate vets and like, do a vet to vet consult before I do a consult with their client. I was like, this is going to be great. Let's, this will work a lot better. It has gone over like a shit filled balloon, Andy. I don't know. I don't know if I can be able to do it. It's only been a week. I'm hoping it could, I'm hoping it, you know, some of my vets will, will stick with me on this, but it's really just trying to help them be educated and help know what to say to their client, help their client know if they can come to a specialist or not. But so far, not a, not a roaring success. Okay. <laughs> my little, boundary experiment for myself. 
<laughs> well, so anyway, I'll keep I'll keep you posted on that. But I mean, yeah, I'm please, trying to find uh, solutions. Keep me up to date. Um, uh, if you do, you want to plug do you want to plug your do you want to plug your business? Well, I just <laughs> sure. I, mean, I don't know. Okay. Sure. It's just the the point is the why I'm doing it is because I want to make sure these clients are prepared. Yeah. And also, I want to meet my vets and I want to talk to them about the case because I think some vets are overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. Some vets are like they they're just they're so overwhelmed right now. Like they're not doing a, a really good physical exam. They're not doing a rectal exam. They're not doing a fine needle aspirate. And I'm like, I you can do these things and you can take chest rads and you can do blood work and like also again not an economist but you can make money when you do that. Yeah, like so. Those are good things to do in your practice before you send a case to a specialist. And then like, you know, lots of stuff that I can tell you, you can tell your client and then the client's like, yeah, I do want to do the CT. I, you know, I do have insurance. I do have the money to go forward because like what I see on the faces of these clients when they're not really prepared is just like every, they're all in they're da, 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 and I'm talking to them on video. And then when I tell them what things cost, like their face just freezes and they look like they're either going to start yelling at me or start crying. And it's hard. Like I, yeah, I feel for those people, you know, I really feel for those people. And so like, I think I'm trying to find a way to get them better prepared, but I find with the whole pandemic, people are just like ah, cancer. Like, I don't want to deal with you. And, and so I know everyone's stressed, but, but so is everyone, right? Like you have yeah. to kind of think about that. Like it's, you, if you're busy, I'm busy. And if, if your ER is busy, I'm busy. And if like every everyone's busy mm -hmm. right now. So, yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that that's, I think that's a good point. I think that's really interesting. I'd not really thought about what that would look like from a specialist perspective, as far as, you know, people hastily just offloading things and be like, ah, oh, you got cancer. Uh, and that's down the hall to the right. Uh, <laughs> yes. tell, give them this piece of paper when you get there. <laughs> it says really cancer on it. It says cancer. Literally, like I'm like, there's a mask, and then it's telemedicine, right? So I have no, I have no picture. I have no nothing. <laughs> so oh. Cancer, you say? Yeah, just mm. maybe move your dog up to your webcam and let's see what we can do. So yeah, I think we need to be thinking about each other. Like we need to be thinking about what are our ER vets going through right now? What are what are our primary care vets going through right now? What are the specialists going through right now? And just see how we can ease that, right? I, yeah. I mean, I think that's also important. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we do need boundaries. Like I'm a big, I'm a huge boundary person. I just like, I just had a, and I think part of boundaries is also recognizing when not to take a case. Yeah. Like, you know, when you know, it's going to be trouble. Mm -hmm. I, I just had this happen that a client came in through medical oncology and, and like we do internal consults for each other, like all the time, but they, they came in kind of like, they came in hot and they mm -hmm. were like, and Dr. Boston will do an internal consult and will look like, that's what, you know, and, th and then they were sort of saying how I was going to do the surgery. And like, I, like I did the internal consult because I'll always course, yeah. my colleagues, but yeah, but I was kind of like, it kind of got my back up. I'm like, I, I, now I feel like, you know, anyway, it, it just, there was like a lot of trouble and noise and I'm like, I haven't even met these people yet. And so I just, yeah. I just said, you know, I decline. <laughs> I just. Yeah. declined to do the surgery. And, and I think we do also need to do that. Like that's part of boundaries. Like if your spidey senses are telling you, you know, if things haven't even gone well and you haven't even met this person yet, yeah, it's not going to get better once you do a procedure. Yeah. I think that, I think that, so, that fits squarely in what I think about when I think about the boundaries and sort of professional distance too, is like, we all have those clients who come and they just bring so much with them when they come. And I think 
if we're overly empathetic, we can, it's easy to get drawn into the emotional turmoil that they bring and all the things they have going on. And I think it's kinder to them and it's kinder to us to just be fairly matter of fact and say, this is what is possible. And this is what we are able to do. And these are, these are your options. Let me know how you would like to proceed and we'll get it scheduled. Let me know what questions you have. Um, and, and like, a lot of me, younger younger Andy would say, oh man, that sounds really heartless. And older Andy goes, I think it's the kindest thing that you can do for them, for you, and for your staff. And probably for their pet is just to cut, you know, just to say, I'm not, um, I was, uh, I was, I, I had recently something came to my mind that we were talking, somebody had asked about, um, oh, they were having a, a sort of an internal debate in their in their practice. And, and I, I sort of told them that I had, there is a category called conversations I won't have. And, you know, when people start talking about their marital life to me as their veterinarian and like, how you know, my husband thinks this and and I think that and, you know, and these are conversations I won't have. It's like, I am happy to talk to your husband about the medical condition, but I am not your couples counselor and I and I am not going to be in, involved in this. And, and I'm, I'm just I'm just not. Um, and that's a conversation I, I, I won't have. But again, I, I think it's the best thing for the pets as well as for me and for the staff and probably for them because you don't want me as a marriage counselor. No, and I've always thought having a marriage counselor and perhaps a divorce lawyer like in a strip mall with a vet clinic would be <laughs> another business model. Yeah, that's right. Economics. Send them down there. Off you go. Yeah. No, I, I don't like to get into that. And actually, for me, like, I know this, this will sound like I'm a bad person. Am I a bad person? Still loving the pandemic, still loving just being able to focus uh, on the pet. I, 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 I like my telemedicine. I like talking to the client. I like meeting them on video. And then I like to just be with their pet and take care of their pet. And I like my team to be able to focus on that. And it's, you know, things are opening up. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. But there's been a, in some ways more drama with the pandemic, but in a lot of ways, like once the pet is in and we're caring for them a little less. And I, I'm, yeah. I, I kind of like it. I don't know. One of, one of my favorite cage liner headlines, uh, from, from you and your team, uh, was veterinarian lives lifelong dream of seeing patients while, pa while clients stay outside the building. And I was like, Oh, that's such a great headline. That's such a wonderful satire. Yeah. It's Cause it's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah there's definitely um there's definitely some things about the pandemic that we're going to keep at our practice um it just just as far as how things how things go and again i i i genuinely man i had the best day yesterday and i i like people i like quirky funny people when i have time to see them like the, the worst thing is when you talk, it's so funny it's, it's how it's really your workload dictates but yesterday we were hustling but man, I just saw charming, fun, quirky person after quirky person. And I was just like, let's see what's in this room. And I just, I really had a great time and I really did enjoy those people. And I think, I think on your best days, that's, that's the most wonderful part of that medicine. Jamie, tell me about your, your favorite cat. Um, you're not supposed to have favorites, but I do. Her name is Calico Jack and she's missing her upper uh, and her lower canines. Um, and she's just a delight. Ah, Calico Jack and the rest of your crew all drink from the Filaqua uh, water system, correct? They do. I like to... Tell me about it. I, I love it. It's a smart system. So every time 
the cats come up, it registers their microchip and it tells me how much they've had to drink in a given period of time. So I can make sure that none of them are drinking too much or drinking too little. Yeah, the uh, Falaqua is from Sure Pet Care as part of their connected ecosystem. Guys, uh, this has been something that uh, Jamie and I have gotten to play with for the last couple of months and it is super cool. Uh, we know that water intake is a huge flag for uh, for disease and uh, illness in our feline patients, and we want to stay on top of it, and we want pet owners to know uh, what their cat is drinking. This is a great approach to it. If you want to learn more, head over to surepetcare.com slash water. That's surepetcare.com slash water. I'll put the link in the show notes. Hey guys, I just want to jump in really quick right here and give you a heads up on some exciting stuff that is coming your way really fast. On August 14th, over at the Uncharted Veterinary Community, my friend, Sanani Ratnayaka, is going to be teaching uh, the, her secret sauce, the secret sauce to optimizing workflow. If you want to get your practice to run more smoothly, right? If you want it to be more simple, if you think things could just work better, but you're not exactly sure how to make that happen, Sanani has got you on August 14th. That's a Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. to noon Pacific time. She is doing a half-day workshop on the secret sauce to optimizing workflow. That is free to Uncharted members. It is $199 to the public. I'll put a link in the show notes. And then I, yours truly, will be doing my 12 Steps to Critical Conversations on August 18th. This is a two-hour workshop. It'll be from 2 to 4 p.m. That's a Wednesday, uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to walk you through 12 steps to get your head straight, to get your environment set, to, uh, to help you figure out what your objectives are, to help you avoid landmines, to make whatever hard conversation you're dreading make it go easier. Uh, give me a chance. Come and work with me. Let me show you how I look at this stuff and how I set it up. I would be thrilled to have you there. Again, that is going to be on August the 18th. It's a Wednesday and it is free to the uh, Uncharted members and $99 to the public. Links in the show notes. Guys, let's get back to this episode. I also think, you know, thinking about boundaries and, you know, how to manage that kind of what you were saying as far as like getting ahead of it. And I've, yeah. I've been giving some thought to that because, you know, this is the analogy I have. You know, when there's a dog, and, and I just had a case like this. The dog was like, I, I don't remember what I was trying to do with him. I think I was trying to put a cat. No, I wasn't trying to put a cat. Oh, no, I was trying to do aspirates. And uh, he was trying to get away from me. He was like a husky cross. And he was trying to get away from me, and he was kind of curled up in a corner. And, and he was warning me. And mm -hmm. I, didn't I didn't listen to him. Everyone was like, oh, look, he's hiding. It's so funny. It's so cute because he kind of looked cute, you know. And uh he snapped at me. He didn't bite anyone, but he was, yeah. he was trying to communicate. I, I'm not okay with this. And I'm, I, you know, he's trying to communicate. I didn't listen to the warning. And I was, I thought, yeah, I'm usually pretty good with that. But for some, for whatever reason, I didn't pick up on it. But I yeah. think clients give us warnings that things aren't going to go well. And uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. We need to kind of key into those red flags. Like when someone comes in all guns a blazing and that, you know, that's kind of like, gets the staff upset or they, the way they yeah. interact with the staff and like you kind of know and then the other thing which you know is I just had an interaction with a client like this where I will say on the on the phone or on telemedicine I'm Dr. Sarah Boston and they will respond hi Sarah and <laughs> yeah I know that's not guaranteed like a, it's not guaranteed they're going to be a jerk but a hundred percent like you're like is that a is that a flex that you just did is that some weird you know uh a blank measuring contest it's, sort of thing. Yeah, it's definitely something. And I think maybe more so with female veterinarians, it's definitely something. Yeah. And this, 
this client was, he did it a couple times and then it was, I think, yeah, he, he might've called me honey. Like he might've said, okay, hon, mm. at the end of the phone call. And I was like, what? you know, and then when he did come in, we, we just did some staging on his dog and he was waiting outside in the parking lot the whole time. And he got himself really worked up. And then when my staff member brought the dog out, he kind of like he was everyone's supposed to stay in their spot, you know, with COVID, like you're supposed to stay in your urine parking spot three, you're supposed right. to stay there, right? So that they can find you and then they know it's your dog. And he didn't do that. But I think it's just because he was so anxious or whatever. And mm -hmm. so he rushed the door when my staff member was coming out. My staff member didn't know who he was. And then there was like some kind she of thought, she thought a stranger was attacking her to take this dog. Well, just. <laughs> needed them to be where they're supposed to be you know like yeah. people not not like not physical distancing and then yeah. this guy's like rushing and then and then it kind of it kind of became a whole thing it was a male staff member but like the client said that he hit the dog with the door which he didn't it just was like i think there was just someone's trying to come out the door and someone's trying to rush at the door and so there was like a door in between them yeah. and then it and then it 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 went downhill from there oh no <laughs> And there was yeah. like prof profanities that this person was, I won't say it, but an effing idiot. And, da, da, da. and like yeah. my staff member was so upset. And so we can no longer treat that dog, right? And so this guy wanted to talk to the manager and our general manager. She's very supportive, but he wanted to complain about the staff member. And she was like, yeah, well, that's a, like we're done now because that's actually a really good staff member. So we can no longer treat your dog. And he was like, well, no, I'm just going to apologize then. And she was like, no, actually, no, <laughs> no, now, actually, that, that ship has sailed. You can apologize if you want to, but that's not going to. You should apologize. It's good for you to apologize. It does not undo what has been yeah, done. That was amazing to me that he was just like, well, I'm just going to apologize and everything like you're going to do what I want. And it was like, no. So anyway, but I look back and I was like, you know, from the first time that you know, and maybe I should have corrected him, you know, and, and maybe I should have said, you know, this is a professional relationship. And I prefer to be addressed Dr. Boston. And I, you know, I think as a female veterinarian, like I am pretty strong with that. And I, I know it sounds picky, but if you look at the, you know, the literature that's out there, including a paper I wrote on gender bias, like it's truly a thing. And it is a sort of a, now people will probably call you Dr. Andy because you're known as Dr. Andy and you like that. And that's cool. I, yeah, but, I, I do. Well, so it, it's, it's very different, right? So my, my thoughts on this have really evolved over the last couple of years. And, and you've been a big, a big part of this because we get together and we talk about this and it comes up a lot. And, and I, you always make me think a lot about it. A, a lot of it depends on kind of who you are and where you are and like what your specific, um, where your specific challenges and biases are and stuff. So I say to people, just call me Andy. But I, it's not lost on me that I say that because I am a white man who, you know, who, um, who generally naturally carries a certain amount because generally our clients are female and stuff too is like, there's already kind of this innate their power dynamic, if you will, or at least it's sort of implied. I, I don't, I don't have the concern of not being taken seriously because of my identity. Like I, like I, I, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. That does not mean that I would not feel that way if I wasn't, uh, if I was a, you know, if I was a woman and some guy was doing like, it just, I, I recognize that it's not a big deal to me, but that's also because of, of who I am and where I am. And that it is a big deal for some of my female colleagues and they do sometimes feel and are stripped of authority, you know, you know, in a way or, or, or sometimes depriving them of, of a title is, is almost like a um, withholding of respect. And again, I, I don't, I don't have that experience, but that, but they do. And so I, I just, it's been sort of an interesting progression of saying, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have been like, oh, you know what? You should just let it go. Let it go. And now I'm much more like, you know what? And, and I think your point about patterns 
and saying, you know, it's a small thing, but if it's part of a pattern or it's leading into a pattern, sometimes the best thing to do is to is to say something. And I think I think that's wonderful language it uses to say, hey, this is a professional relationship. This is this is how I like to be referred to. Um, and if if they if they have a real problem with that, again, I'm kind of like, well, then maybe they're maybe they need to see another another veterinarian. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and no, again, and that's think- for everybody to make their own choice. I think, uh, and, and I think, I think it helps a lot when the practices kind of weigh in and have a policy and say, hey, this is how we refer to our to our clinicians. Um, so sometimes it's not just you, Sarah Boston, making a stand and saying this is what it is. It's it's I think I think it's a lot easier when the clinic just says. This is how we refer to doctors, and it's what the technicians say, and it's, this is a, a social norm that everyone sort of follows. Although I like my staff to call me Sarah, so that's funny. But like, in, you know, <laughs> kind of in the back, no, no, I do because they're my yeah. friends and they're my colleagues, and I, I don't. Because sure. when I worked in Florida, everyone was doctor everything, and I, I found it strange being from Canada. Um, but yeah, it's just the client relationship. I like to keep it, uh, you know, more professional. Um, but. Two things you're making me think like one thing is like none of us are in jail like it's just a vet hospital like the client's not in jail and I'm not in jail so like we don't have to be together <laughs> that client like if yeah. they don't like us or we don't like them or it's just it's just not a good relationship like you should have a good relationship with your veterinarian and in, in if for whatever reason it's not working like we're we're not married we're not in jail like just they can you know off they go. They can develop another yeah. vet client patient relationship with someone else. Because if you actually look at the definition of a vet client patient relationship, it's supposed to be built on trust and mutual respect. If you don't have trust and mutual respect, you don't have a relationship. So, and it's not that, it doesn't have to be such a big deal. I, I think that's, that's the great point. It doesn't have to be such a big deal. You know, it, I, I think if, if I said, you know what, uh, I don't think Dr. Boston's the right vet for me. I don't think you have to see, see it as, as these Andy either A, doesn't trust me or B, doesn't respect me. It's like, no, maybe Andy, maybe he just has a different view on healthcare uh, for his pet or he's looking for a different thing or, you know, maybe his personality is just different from mine and he, we don't communicate that well. That's, that shouldn't be devastating to you. And, and, you know, and, and uh, it it shouldn't necessarily be devastating to me if, you know, if you kind of make it clear, like, this is what I want to be called. and this is how we are going to see it. This is when I can see you. Um, I shouldn't take that as a as a personal affront. It just it is what it is. And this is a professional relationship. And you're right, we're not in jail. I can I can go somewhere else. I think if everybody got more comfortable with that, it would be a better place. Yeah. And the the other thing, you know, going back to your Facebook, like the Facebook posts that are that we're seeing out there, which, you know, I'm gonna tread on that a bit cautiously because I think it it's just a it's a sign that people in our profession are are hurting, but then they think, mm-hmm. okay, so that's on Facebook, but like, you know, almost every doctor's office or dentist office or a lot of professional offices that are for the human healthcare, there's signs up that say, you know, abuse won't be tolerated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we won't serve you anymore. We can refuse service. And like, I'm starting to see a little bit, bit of that in veterinary medicine, but like, to me, you can put that on Facebook, but why isn't that in your practice? Why isn't that a sign up in yeah. your practice? Why isn't that being communicated to everyone who comes to your practice? This is what we're about. These are our core values. This is what I'll do for you. This is what you need to do to continue to have care at our clinic. Like, why aren't we more upfront? And like, like who's going to see that on Facebook? And except for maybe my brother who's <laughs> called me every day. He's going to call but you. Like, he's going to call you. Me. But like, why aren't we more upfront about this? Like, and I, and maybe vets aren't good at that, but why aren't we more upfront? Like I like to be called Dr. Boston. Um, this is how we have a sign up front. If you abuse our staff, I can't see you anymore. Even if you don't abuse me, anyone on my team, 
I can't work with you. So, I, you know, and I, I don't know. I think we need to set the boundaries more upfront so that people understand the rules. They're like dogs. We can train them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I always say, I don't care who you are, how smart you are, how many degrees you have. You're, you're a simple animal and you can be trained. I, I think you put, I think you put your finger right on it. I think honestly that I think you put your finger on it. I think that's what I think that's what bothers me about this is I go, I the people who see this are not the people who we're dealing with. And this seems this feels wildly ineffective in changing behaviors while still, you know, um affecting possibly how we think about ourselves and, and so I, I, I that's i think that's what i wrestle with but i think your point is really valid and, and i hope it didn't come off like a jerk at the beginning in that um these are my friends who who post this and it is how they're feeling and it is what they're seeing and so it is their experience you know i i um i read something recently one of uh one of the uncharted members uh who's a veterinarian was writing about patient bill of rights and responsibilities or patient rights and responsibilities and presenting these. And she was talking about exactly what you're saying is, you know, in doctor's offices, you would start to say they call it a patient bill of rights. And then over time, it kind of morphed. And now it's sort of patient rights and responsibilities, which I, I think I like that better because I think there's some more balance to that. But when I think about things like that, I go, aha, this, this makes more sense because the, it is aimed squarely at our clients who are in our building, who are about to talk to us. And I'm not convinced that that having a, a clear expectations that we communicate to them about how you're going to be treated, what you can expect from us and what we can expect from you. I'm not convinced that's not a, that's not a really good idea. I mean, I, I think I think it can make a lot of sense. And the other thing is, I think it's much more fair to say to clients, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to see you after we have told them what the expectations are before we engage with them you know it's one thing and they're like i didn't know that i wasn't allowed to raise my voice um it's just cleaner if you can say well this was this is clearly indicated uh you know in, in our in our patient rights and responsibilities and it was there and that this we hold everyone to the standard yeah no i think that's where i mean i really do think that's where we're kind of what we're missing and and i've seen a bit of it on like please be patient and and you know, stuff on, on some of the vet hospitals, like, you know, so asking for that, but I, but I think it's not as assertive to say, be, it's almost passive aggressive, right? Like, oh, we're busy. And, 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 mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know that it's always received the way people want it to be received because it is a little bit passive aggressive. And I think veterinarians are, a lot of veterinarians are passive aggressive. They, they don't want confrontation and they don't want confrontation with their clients. They don't want confrontation in their hospital. But I think we, you know, without being confrontational, we just need to be more assertive about it. Like, yeah, this is this is the way it is. You know, you can even say there's a pandemic. It's busy. Like, you know, everyone's been short staffed either because they were already short staffed or because people, I mean, over the whole pandemic, no one works when they're sick anymore. <laughs> Remember the days when we used to drag ourselves to work and with the flu? <laughs> You're like, I'm okay, everybody. No, oh, like, you know, we just need to sit down in between appointments. Because now you would be a pariah, right? If you do, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> no, very, yeah, exactly. You would get sent home. Oh, I'm very interested to see what happens as we move through this. You know, if we have a flu season, like when people start, you know, feeling like, oh, I can't call in sick because, you know, for the whole pandemic, I'm like, I wonder who, like, I wonder who's going to make it in today. Like, it was just like. You know, oh, people yeah. would be like, uh, you know, if you look at the form, I mean, there's so many signs of COVID. It's like, well, I, do I have, I don't know. Like I have a headache. <laughs> My throat's a bit well, sore. I don't I will know. tell you, I've got this, I've got this weird streak thing going right now mentally where it's like, you know, <laughs> you know how like uh, alcoholics will be like, I'm 
X number of days sober. And, and, and they like, and they're proud of it and, and they should be proud. Of it. That's wonderful. Excellent. You know what I mean? But it's tracking. Like I'm X day sober. I can say to you with a straight face, I'm 500 days illness free. Like right now I have been, it's because I spent a year and a half wearing a mask and washing my hands like crazy and fleeing from anyone who sneezes, you know? And I'm like, if, if if someone gets me sick, I'm going to be so upset. And it's just, I don't care if it is, the, if it's the most minor cold ever. I'm like, buddy, this, this body is illness free. And if you mess it up, we're going to have problems. Yeah, I got sick after my second vaccine. And I was very like, I was like, I don't get sick. What is this? What is this fever? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I cannot work with this. I love it when it was during the pandemic and someone would be like, I look, I know I'm sick, but it's not COVID. And I'm like, if you manage to get a, a viral illness, then you, you, you put yourself in situations that make me un, 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 uh, oh, un, un, un. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? I was sort of like, don't worry, it's just the flu. And I'm like, that doesn't, like, that does not buy big points with me. No. And again, good point. I yeah. how, how do you know if that? How do me, you know that? The same thing. And you'd be like, how do you know that? And no one has a flu. So <laughs> no, no back it flu. up. That's what I would say. Just <laughs> you need to back it up. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you uh, for jumping on and talking about this. I think we saw, I think we solved the problem. I think we, we have it. solved veterinary medicine once yeah. again, Andy. Yeah, once it just again. takes forty-one minutes. <laughs> every every three months on a podcast, forty-one <laughs> minutes. We're a freaking <laughs> professional treasure. That's what we are. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. It's been great talking to you. It's always awesome you. talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for being here. Um, let's see. Let's talk real quick, uh, just so people know where to find you. Uh, let's talk about the cage liner. We can talk about your uh, struggling consultation business if you want. Uh, where can people find you? All right. Well, I'm at Mississauga Oakville Veterinary Emergency Hospital, which is a VCA Canada hospital outside Toronto. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen with my consults. It's either going to be vet to vet or not because of the the poor uptake, but we'll see if some vets want to talk to me. I would love, I would love to talk to you about your cases and help you. Um, cage liner. I am the sole cage liner now. Yeah. Yeah. It started with two other people, but they've, uh, they lost interest in the project. So, so it's just me churning out stupid headlines. <laughs> you, you, you're amazing. They're not stupid. I still, there was, um, in, in the uncharted community recently, uh, someone posted your, um, vet tech just in it for the poverty uh, headline and there was the discussion that followed was very spirited um oh good it, that's good I, I i i i'm i'm really feeling for our technicians right now I, I don't know it, it's yeah. uh i'm uh i'm in toronto area it's very expensive to live here and uh they need to be paid more all of them yeah. um and they're valuable right they're how could we even do anything without them so yeah they, uh, they're worth, they're worth a lot more, I think. Um, what else? Oh, comedy school, going to comedy school. That's yeah. Another, How's that going? Um, oh, starting in September. I'll keep you posted on that too. So definitely. Yes. So you're going to be part-time, uh, surgical oncologist, part-time comedy school attendee. Going back to college, Andy. Full-time badass. I love it. That's what's happening. Yeah. Well, <laughs> also solving veterinary medicine. So yeah, that's where I'm doing. So I'll keep you posted on that. Hoping I can, maybe there'll be conferences that I could do comedy at and teaching. I don't know. 
Yeah. If hey, if you're yeah, you know. if you're if you're planning events and you want someone to cover uh, oncology slash surgery and do some stand up, Doctor yeah. Sarah Boston is the person. I'm it. Yeah, that's quite niche. Yeah, I mean, it is niche, but it's. I gotta tell you, I would. I I totally want to go to CE events where presenters are also capable of doing a solid twenty minutes of stand up. Yeah, I'm gonna try to do it in the lecture too. I've done a bit of that over Zoom. Uh, it's a bit experimental at this point, but experimental comedy is the best. All right. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I always appreciate right. it. I will talk to you later on. Okay. Thanks, Andy. And that's what we got for you today, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If uh, if there's anything that you want to hear about in the Conan Shame, shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at drandyrourke.com. That's podcast at drandyrourke.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. That's all I ask. Just help us get the word out. Uh, we always like to, to talk to people who'd be interested in uh, learning more about the vet profession. Anyway, guys, take care. Be well. Talk to you later. Bye.